possessing Med Device Unleashed Podcast. Your next level source for all things sales and device. Now, here's your host, Jamie Tipton. Jamie Tipton. The Med Device Unleashed Podcast is brought to you by Live Fresh. Look, ladies and gentlemen, the Live Fresh brand and their clothing are legit. Whether it's fashion, fitness, sport, or your mindset, Live Fresh applies to it all. With their apparel, you receive premium quality materials paired with subtle and sharp designs because at Live Fresh, we believe less is more. It's about living your best life daily, no matter what's thrown at you, and looking damn good doing it. Live Fresh, it's a lifestyle. And at Live Fresh, they love helping people, which I love. And in fact, they donate 7% of their proceeds to the Clean Water Project, which is a nonprofit organization based around providing reliable water sources and delivering clean water to sub-Saharan African communities who suffer from a lack of access to clean water and proper sanitation. You can visit Live Fresh at www.livefreshbrand.com or follow them on Instagram at livefreshbrand. Or you can enter my code upon checkout. That's MDU21 to earn 10% off your first order. That's MDU21 to earn 10% off your first order. Med Device Unleashed episode is coming in very hot. I'm excited. I'm stoked. This is your host, Jamie Tipton. And I always say that I'm excited and stoked about every episode. Every episode is special, but this one is super special. His name is Giovanni Dianapoli. He's the president of Medtronic's GI division. He's an extremely important man, spent 45 minutes of his time with us, and every minute was gold. He does a deep dive into a lot of great things, but one of which is the product that his division is launching right now as we speak, and it's a paradigm shift in the GI marketplace, and it's called GI Genius. And that's all I'm going to say because it's it's a very complicated product that is AI ran. Again, AI ran. Very interesting. Next level stuff. Giovanni's a next level leader. So without further ado, here he is, Giovanni Dianapoli. Okay, we're live on Med Device Unleashed, and I am going to tell you I'm extremely excited about this. I say this about <laughs> about every episode. But this one in particular, I uh, had a lot of conversations with a lot of people around, and we have an awesome, awesome guest. He's he's a senior over at Medtronic. He's been with them for, I mean, we're going to get into it for, for quite some time. He's got an extensive background, J&J. I mean, he's on the board. He's on the board. I don't know if that's still, we'll talk about that as well. But a lot, so he's doing a lot of great things. And we always talk about the patients on Med Device Unleashed, and this device is it tackles everything. I mean, it's phenomenal for the physician and great for the patient. And without further ado, I'm going to introduce the man. His name is Giovanni Dianapoli, and he's the president of the gastrointestinal division at Medronic, which is it's quite a big deal. So, Giovanni, welcome, my man. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here, and thank you very much for your introduction. I think you should be very excited to have me here. So it's the best of the best uh, of your podcast, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> no, no doubt about it, man. Um, without question. I was checking out your, before we get into everything you're doing at Medtronic and everything, and Med Device Unleashed, Giovanni, just so you know, we talk about a lot of different things and we have a lot of different types of guests on the podcast. And we're a very sales-based podcast. And I noticed yesterday when I was taking a look at your profile on LinkedIn, I was checking out your history and you have a pretty extensive background with Johnson & Johnson. And so I wanted to ask you right off the bat, people that come from, it's a phenomenal sales training program, sales, marketing. I mean, it's a big behemoth. They do a lot of things really well. 
at Johnson and Johnson, what are some things that you kind of took away from that? Cause it looked like you spent a bunch of time over there and it allowed you to kind of accelerate your career. Yeah, that's a great question, Jamie. Thank you for asking. I'm telling you the first six months in MedTech with J&J were almost like back to school, if not even worse than that, because I had to study for weeks, day and night with some of the colleagues who were also in training with me. And I went back to basic with the anatomy and understanding the disease and the products and the stress level of doing well during the examination that you had to perform to be able to stay with the company made you thinking about if you really want to do this, you got to do it right. I always call J&J as the University of MedTech. Uh, I think, you know, they give you a lot. Uh, they also get a lot from you, but uh, I really can't thank them enough for the basic and the foundation they gave to me to be able to first love this job because uh, I was able to understand the impact that these technologies can make on patients' life by being in DOR. For a few of the first cases, I was amazed about how I could be helping surgeons to perform a procedure which was life-saving. And it made me feel like I need to deliver. I need to know upside down what is in these devices and also need to be able to talk the same language that the doctor speaks of because that's the way to do it. And J&J actually was really strong on that side. You're perfectly right. That echoes a lot of the things that I hear from everybody who spent a lot of time, especially at the beginning of their career at J&J. And, and I agree with you 100%, Giovanni. I mean, that, that organization is, that's MedTech University right there. That's 101 MedTech University. So, no, I appreciate that. And that was exactly what I, what I was looking for because I had a feeling what you were going to say about it. And it echoes everything. So, in terms of J&J, you did like the regional sales. Did you enjoy sales? I mean, obviously you enjoyed it, but I mean, do you like the marketing or the sales more? Well, actually, I started as a sales rep, so and it was funny because also on top of doing this uh, big uh, training on uh, devices, anatomy, I also went through sales training and uh, you know how to interact with the doctor, how to sit, how to move your hands, how to where to look, uh, what question to ask, uh, and I found myself really enjoyed this. So I, I got also a lot on that side from J and J. Between sales and marketing, honestly, I always thought that these are very close, uh, if not the same in most of the cases. So if you have a strong sales and marketing team working together, you should be able to sell if you're a marketing person and you should be able also to do strategy as a marketing if you're in the field as a sales rep. So I always have been a big fan of this. You know, in some cases it did work better than other, but I love both actually. So I think they're very complementary and they need to be seen as a one organization, not two functions in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and it can work vice versa, right? If you don't have a good marketing team, then your sales suffer. And if you don't have a good sales team in a collaborative way that kind of honing up and working in tandem with the marketing people, then it kind of, it doesn't work right. But if they work in tandem though, it's, it's absolutely a great, it's a deadly tandem if you can get two good functioning systems. And just because I'm curious and I'm sure the listeners are too, in terms of territory, you were over in, and correct me if I'm wrong too, you were over in Italy, am I correct? Doing, correct. doing work, yes. working with J&J. How big yeah. are the territories and do they have, in the European market, do they hire, is it less reps and you cover more territory or is there, they hire a lot of reps to cover small chunks? Well, it depends on the business though. I mean, when I started, I was able to manage uh, the center and south part of Italy. So it was a big territory. Because the project that I was leading was still small, was in evolution and development, so was in need for be proved first and then you know expanded. When I moved into ethical products, as surgery and also in the surgery, I had just three hospitals in Rome, so three hospitals only. So because the size of the business was so big, 
that was impossible to manage more than three hospitals. So I actually was almost like a doctor within these three hospitals because I knew everyone. And which also was a phenomenal experience because I was really almost owning the OR with the nurses because I was able to get to know before procedures, you know, what kind of cases, what kind of need. And I think it's different, right? So if you get big territories, you got to make priorities, uh, where to go, where to spend your time because you can be anywhere. But if you have a small territory, you got to also prioritize the people you want to work with, right? So that's actually a different approach. And I think it was very important for me to get both in that experience. So what's a strategy that you took? So when you had the big territory, that's something that comes up a fair amount because I think it's hard for people because I've heard from reps, my territory is too big or I don't know what to do. I don't know how to prioritize. Like what, is there any kind of tidbits that you might be able to give somebody that kind of in your own experience on how to properly, I mean, obviously it depends on what you're selling and the business you're in, but how do you kind of break down a territory? In a big cut, in a big view, I know it's a big question, but no. Well, I mean, it, it is a big question, but it's truly the most important question to be a successful rep, right? So you really want to first off understand your portfolio, what you sell, and I think on this counts, like we said, with training and also this estate understanding on how this technology can be applied. I will then go and look at the territory map and understand who are my potential best customers in these territories, and you know, you go and you create a very simple ABC. A customer ranking. And then within this A account, uh, you can also understand how many of those A accounts are working with my competition uh, instead of me. And, uh, you know, how strong is the competition in these accounts versus also my possibility to steal market share. You keep digging into it, right? So you go A, B, and C that level uh, and you size the territory. So how big can be this customer if I spend two months there? If I take 10% market share, it's better than spend two months there and then take 20% market share instead of going at the C account uh, where maybe they are, you know, dispersed in the country and you have to travel days to get to see each of them, but maybe you gain 2% market share. So, I mean, I really was going through these one by one. I spent mainly the first couple of weeks uh, in my new job, every new job uh, in my office, uh, working with Excel file, uh, getting data as much as I could at that time was not as easy as of today, but really putting together a weekly plan and then see, okay, this is my goal. I want to be the best region. I want to be the best territory in the country or in the, in the region. And this customer can get me there if I get to know what they do and I can get market share. So again, back to basic is market segmentation. And, and also, you know, in some cases, uh, some of the big customers that you want to get on your side, maybe they're very hard to be moved. And maybe it's worth it in some cases, in some other, you just have to give up and say no and to move to the other one. And I think, again, I think to me, it's really making priorities big on the market data. Yeah. And I think to your point, Giovanni, too, I'm kind of listening to what you're saying and, and nodding my head because a lot of reps will spend, and I've been guilty of it, where, I mean, I will spend too much time with somebody who's a quote unquote, a high volume target that's going to be almost near impossible to move. Now, that doesn't mean you completely leave that person alone, but you reprioritize yourself, right? And you really take a look and say, look, instead of spending six hours a week with trying to get this guy, to, what about if I spent that on six other doctors that are medium volume or smaller volume? Can I help grow their business or can I move that forward? You know, I think there's, to your point, man, and, and that was a great point you made about prioritizing. Sometimes, you know, the quote unquote whales, the people that are the highest volume, maybe maybe aren't the best targets. That's the point. So I think, uh, you know, there are some situations where you can get uh, closer in terms of relationship uh, with the surgeon, uh, with the doctor, 
maybe he or she is more open uh, to change. Uh, some of these customers, maybe they're very used to use the old technology, so technology they've been using, and it takes more time. And so it depends if you have time, right? So what's your goal, right? So if the company is asking you to deliver on the quarter, so you got to balance, uh, you know, what you can achieve short term and what you can achieve maybe long term. So and again, to me, it's really sitting on the table and just waiting and just understanding the entire landscape. And then, you know, when you're ready, just go out and then go and, and follow a plan. No, I love it. I saw that you you did a little John at Cordis. Did you sell a stent for them? Yeah, I did send. First off, I, I managed the endovascular business, so all the peripheral stents. And then the last two years also I was in cardiology, so I also had cipher, but was a little bit later than the initial uh, success the stent had in 2004, 2006. And so I was already fighting against uh, Boston Scientific, Airbot, uh, and St. Jude. So it was more about market share gain and price erosion than uh, market development at that point in time. Speaking about cardiology too, so I don't know if you're aware or not, I'm in the interventional pain space. And so... There's a lot of crossover right now in the interventional pain space. I think that you'll be able to kind of relate to this too, because you've been in this industry is when interventional cardiology kind of started to move over into almost encroaching on the thora- cardiothoracic surgeons in terms of kind of not, not taking their business, but hey, there's a different way to do this. And that's kind of where we are also with the interventional pain spaces in terms of spine surgery, where there's always a place for spine surgery and a spinal fusion, laminectomy, whatever it is. There's other technologies and devices now being released in the minimally invasive market that makes a lot of sense. So I actually use that terminology a lot in terms of it's like when the interventional cardiology kind of first came on the scene and we're doing things through the femoral artery and being able to get up into the chest without without doing any kind of major surgery. So. Yeah, it's the same uh, experience I had when I left J&J and I went to Barrex. You know, Barrex uh, invented and, and made this device called Barrex, which is a radiofrequency ablation uh, for esophageal diseases, especially Barrex esophagus. And, you know, the gold standard before this device was open surgery. And like you said, thoracic surgeons were performing open heart procedure. The stents came and with a you know a small hole you were able to get and also potentially you know solve the situation without any measure comorbidities. So same story. I think uh, devices are bringing procedures back to minimum invasive. Right? So the more you go ahead with uh, with the technology innovation, the more patients get into the care continuum earlier. So you can preserve uh, many of the invasive procedures, which you know happen a lot in the past. So I think that's a good trend, right? So I think that's also what we are trying to do with GI here at Medtronic. Uh, so try to see what kind of cases, procedures, uh, technologies uh, can bring the patients early in the care continuum and also with a very different approach, you know, like in our procedure, non-sedation, non-anesthesia, and then back home versus, you know, two-day stay and general anesthesia. So that's the goal. And I think, you know, it's really important for all medtech companies to think further about this. No, it's super important. Barracks was Covidian, correct? Or was that, was Covidian after? Well, uh, no, first was Barracks and then Covidian bought Barracks. And then I went got to it. Covidian. Yeah. <laughs> and then so from there, from the Barracks, Covidian, and then obviously Covidian got purchased by Medtronic. And so where did you see, you know, you're in leadership at this point. Where did you see yourself with, when you got the news, Medtronic was buying Covidian. Where did you see your career? Did you know that you wanted to stay with Medtronic as long as you did? Or kind of what was your plan? Well, I had no plan. I First, when Berex was acquired by Covidian, I was happy on one side because clearly what we were able to build in Europe from scratch and also in the U.S. was seen as an opportunity for a larger corporation like Covidian. 
the good news when Caribbean acquired us was that you know they had no GI business. So therefore, I was actually pretty sure that I was able to stay and I was able also to help Covidian to build this GI business, which was the case in Europe. So I actually served the way there to be able to be the GI person within this big corporation in Europe. I think it was like 12 months after the acquisition, 13 months after the acquisition of Covidian, Covidian wanted to get into more GI and they wanted to acquire given imaging capsule endoscopy. So they asked me to help them with the due diligence and then post-acquisition with the integration of the business, which was very large in Europe. Just to give you some reference, Barrex was $10 million at that time. And given imaging was about $90, $95 million with about 200 employees. So I was able to move from myself in Barrex, was just myself, one person, for two years, driving the business across all the European countries. I was the one-man show really doing everything from congresses, uh, administrative tasks, uh, assisting cases, uh, logistics. Uh, but you know, it was a huge experience for me to get to know really startup world and also how to get to know better even uh, different countries across the European market. And then uh, I stay in Covidian. We hire 15 reps uh, reporting to me and then given imaging was acquired. And we became a 200 reps organization in less than two years. And I was still able to stay in my leadership position. And then, like you said, Medtronic acquired Covidian. So I was just uh, trying to move uh, from Europe to the US. And actually, I was in between my transition from uh, Europe to the US. And I didn't expect anything. I was just hoping that Medtronic was going to invest in GI. Because as a large corporation, when you buy such uh, important companies, you might also decide to maybe give up some of the businesses because they're small. So one of my goals uh, with my boss at that time, Bafa Jamali, was to bring GI to be relevant within Medtronic. So how we could be seeing even small businesses as a good opportunity for Medtronic to invest uh, and also keep our ownership within this large corporation, which I think we did very well. Let me ask you something. So you are a one-man show. How do you keep everything straight? Is it You've got to have some secrets, man. And you got to <laughs> let us in on these. How did you keep, do you have routines you do in the morning? Do you meditate? How do you keep the stress? I mean, I got a lot of questions because when you're running, when you're a one-man show like that, I would love to know, is there some routine that Giovanni DiNapoli does every day that helps? So let me tell you something. When I used to be in J&J, so much larger organization, uh, and I had maybe, I would say, less responsibility, I was stressed out by the fact that I wanted to do more, but I couldn't because the corporation was so big that you were like, just linked to your own territorial stuff. You know, I moved into barracks, uh, like I said, and I was the one man show living in Rome, in Italy, but managing the European markets. And when I met the first trainer from Berlex, he came to Rome from the US and he asked me, hey, do you want to run before we start our training? I said, just, I'm not running, but yeah, I can try. I used to play basketball for many years, but at that time in particular, <laughs> I was really in good shape. And I started to run with this, he's a doctor still with the, with Metroid, Dr. De Chapel. And I started to run with him that afternoon in Rome. And after five minutes, I was dying. And he was running like crazy. He ran for an hour. I realized, I think uh, I need to be back in shape here because uh, that's the only way that I can make this job work because I have to travel a lot. And I think you know, it's important for me to be, like you said, in a position where I can be physically ready, mentally ready to also deliver. 
And I started, I followed a plan and, you know, it was the best thing I have done in my life because I travel a lot, but no matter what, running shoes with me and wherever I went, 30 minutes in the morning before I went to the hospital was for, for running. And I'm still doing this, you know, now I'm switching from running to bike. I also have the Peloton bike at home. I have to do something every day to just get my energy ready for the day, usually in the morning, you know, afternoon for me. After 4 p.m., 4.30 p.m., it's really relaxing. I mean, still check email, I take some phone calls, uh, but I wake up very early, 4.30, 5 a.m. Pacific, uh, that's my time. Get my coffee, three or four shots of espresso from my Italian coffee machine, and then I get on my bike, and then I start my day. So You're not getting your coffee from Starbucks? Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. What kind of running shoes are you working with? So, Connie. Nice. I hear good things. I'm not a runner. I do love cardio. And my my fiance actually had, during the pandemic, we bought a Peloton. We were one of the million people that did. I actually like running better, but I know it's, I'm getting older and my joints, I mean, you want to keep the joints that's for as long point. as you can, right? Balance. Yeah, that's right. my decision. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, but the Peloton's a cool thing and it's good to hear. And it, I will tell you, every person I do ask this to, Giovanni, says it's a similar thing on, one, they wake up early. I get more, and I'm a big 4.35. I mean, I'm up and moving early because I get those before anyone else even wakes up. I've already got, this isn't toot my own horn, but I've already accomplished a fair amount before the day even really technically starts. It's refreshing to hear you say you get, you know, you get up early physically. I mean, I'm a gym. I got to go run, lift weights, do something because that's how I get my stress going. It's how I get my mind functioning. And so, I mean, I appreciate that. I was curious because I'm, I'm listening to you and you've had a lot of high level leadership stuff and obviously worked really hard. And I'm like, how does this, this guy's got to have something up his sleeve. And it was, it's running and a, and a good cappuccino, some espresso. Absolutely. Espresso. Yes. You got to invest in a good machine. I got it. What machine do you have at home? It's uh, it's called uh, La Spaziale. It's from Italy. And it's funny because when I moved from Italy to the US, I brought my coffee machine uh, but I had to buy the big adapter for the voltage. And then it broke up. And then uh, I found a shop in Seattle that sells only Italian coffee machines. So it's uh, called Fly Coffee, something like this. And I, I found the perfect uh, size and uh, also perfect uh, technology for the use that I have to have. I really like to make my coffee every morning. And it's different every day. It takes you to a different place. No, no, I'm with you. I enjoy, trust me. I mean, I enjoy caffeine just as, just as much as the next guy. So anyway, I digress. So I want to, obviously wanted to hear all about your story, but I know um, we're going to need to dedicate some time in a GI genius. For sure. And, and what you guys are doing over there at Medtronic. And for those, you know, obviously the listeners don't know, but uh, Chad Bushbach is a, a close friend of mine and he is moving down to Tampa moving his family down there and he's going to be an integral part of selling this. And he was talking to me about it and I'm going to let Giovanni um, kind of dig into the details about it, but this device and hopefully everybody's put a notes in your phone to do something. Cause this device is the next level. This is where medicine's headed. And I'm really excited for Giovanni to kind of explain a little bit about what exactly GI genius is. So, by the way, Chad today just sold uh, another GI Genius. So I just got the text like an hour ago. So, no way. 
Yes, how many? So, how many has he sold? I think uh, if I'm not wrong, two or three already. So I, it's just amazing, Jamie. I like you said, this technology it's really unique, and we have been uh, so happy so far for the customer feedback. Uh, the device it's itself uh, simple to to use, right? So it's a box where inside there is a lot of uh, intelligence, a lot of uh, research and development, and a lot of investment. Uh, which allows the gastroenterologist to get support during a very challenging procedure, which is colonoscopy. Think about is the only procedure colonoscopy, only procedure as far as I know, maybe I'm mistaken here, but think about it. Radiologists, when they do any uh, CT scan, they do the scan, then they go back to the office and they make the diagnosis. So they come back and forth, it's not life. So a gastroenterology, they need to see 10, 15 patients every single day for a colonoscopy, and they need to make life decisions. So it's not easy, right? So it's a very challenging procedure. Whereas in other cases, other doctors in other practices, that they can take their time to make a decision. And you don't record colonoscopy. You don't go back and look at the colon after you finish the procedure. You have to make a decision. That's a polyp. I haven't seen any polyp. So clearly it's easy and also understandable that the performance cannot be the same throughout the day and throughout different experience uh, in terms of gastroenterology. So artificial intelligence is here to help, to keep performance stable, where you already are having a very high performance on finding polyps, or to improve performance, where actually you're not very strong in finding polyps. Because most of these lesions are very, very subtle to be found. It's very difficult, right? So some of them, they're flat, and maybe they look like a normal tissue, but they are not. So... The reason why we are super excited are mainly three reasons. And I've been saying this to the team over the last few weeks. Number one, we are the first, right? So it's the first AI technology approved in the US in GI, first. Number two, we are the best. Best because we have the only randomized control trial published on a very important journal, gastroenterology, that tells how ADR detection rate improves with GI genius versus white light without GI genius. 14.3% absolute increase. So in 14 patients out of 100, you find more lesions that otherwise you wouldn't found. And imagine, you would have been told that you can go home, your colon is clean, whereas instead there was a lesion that maybe potentially in the next three, four, five years could develop into a cancer. So that's the reason why this is such a huge impact. And we know from studies that every percentage of increase in detection reduces the risk of interval cancer, the cancer between colonoscopy, by 3%. So it's huge. So we are the first, we are the best. And also number three, it's a must for our portfolio because Medtronic is committed to CRC, to fight and win CRC. And having GI Genius in our portfolio you know, allows the company to keep investing also in additional technologies that we're bringing to market also to help our customers to improve therapies after they also find these polyps, which needs to be removed. So it's a perfect combination, super exciting. Customers so far in the last two weeks since we went to market, they're really, really excited. They're willing to give a try. They're willing to you know implement this technology in their practice because they know it's a huge help. Yeah, I mean, I have so much to say, but I just love what you just said. I mean, look, without being working for you guys and selling it, I'd spent last night reading all about this thing, as much as I could find on the internet. And I talked to Chad quite a bit. And just the mere fact, I mean, I don't know if people are even aware, 90% 
you have a 90% survival rate with early detection, right? And essentially from what I'm hearing, and correct me if I'm wrong, Giovanni, but before GI Genius, essentially we're just relying on the human eye. That's it. Absolutely. And that's taking, that's taking nothing away from the physicians. That's just, and everyone's going to fatigue. Everyone's going to be able to see different things. Everyone's going to miss things. You know, it's essentially, it's human error. I mean, it's going to happen. And like you said, they don't go back to look at these. They don't record it and go back and look at it again, right? So they leave and they go back and they make a decision. Where you're 53% more likely to detect polyps in the distal colon. Giovanni, I don't know what the distal colon is, but 53% more likely. That's insane. That's a game changer. It is a game changer. And I think what you said is really important. 90% of patients uh, who have early detection for this cancer, usually they beat the cancer. So, and uh, there are therapy, both surgical therapy, but also endoscopic therapy that can help by preventing this progression to cancer. In my opinion, this technology is going to do is to, I would say, creating a performance that is going to be stable uh, even across the day. I always say, if you have a colonoscopy and you have one GI performing the colonoscopy in the same practice, uh, would you want to be patient number one that Monday or patient number 15, right? So, because it's human to get also fatigue. So, but if you have a GI genius, which actually we made an analogy, it's almost like having an angel on your shoulder that doesn't blink. So it's always awake. And even if you are tired, you get this green box on the screen asking you to stop and take a look and confirm that this is a lesion. And this can happen every time. You know, I was in the UK last year when we launched a device in Europe and this very expert GI who used the device first, he did the first case and he admitted in front of me, you know, Giovanni, I'm telling you, these two lesions that I just saw with GI Genius, I wouldn't see them without. So it's amazing. So because I am aware that I'm an expert colonoscopist, and now I can see that I can make a mistake. It's human. And I think that's where actually we can help, uh, again, creating a very stable performance, high level of performance across the country, across the practice, no matter what. How long did it take to develop this? A good four years. I don't know if you're aware of, but uh, we got into a distribution agreement with a company based in Italy called Cosmo Pharmaceutical. It's a leading company in drug in GI drug, they are leading in IBD and also in the colon. And what they have done, uh, they have collected videos because they were seeking approval in the US for a capsule that you can swallow, which makes your colon blue, methylene blue, before you do a colonoscopy. So they have done a very important study, collected so many videos, so many uh, lesions. Uh, and then the company was able to understand the unmet need in this space in colonoscopy. And they were able to find the company that was leading AI in a different sector and bring them into medtech and combine their input with videos and their technology to develop this device. And I can tell the team is, is extraordinarily skilled. And, they, you know, again, the best is yet to come. I, I do believe that we have many more things to do with GI Genius, but detection is really important. It's one of the first things that we have to help with. So if I have my own practice and my institution has towers already, does the GI Genius hook right? Is it that kind of plug and play type situation where it, it can hook right into any tower and you can use it there? Or? Correct. It's a scope agnostic and it's flexible for any type of tower. It's really a plug and play device, which is also make this so flexible for any endoscopy suite that wants to get support from GI Genius. Do you envision, and this may be kind of putting the cart before the horse, but do you envision your division going direct to patient marketing? 
Well, somehow we are kind of doing it, right? So I think if you think about the way we have been positioning also the device uh, within the last uh, month, month and a half, I think, yes, uh, towards towards gastroenterologists, but clearly also there is a message to patients. Now, if you ask me, do we want to go direct to consumer? We don't know yet, right? So I think uh, this is going to happen. We know that some of the patients also already ask the gastroenterologists if they have AI or not because of the buzz we made in the last uh, three or four weeks. uh, I mean, Gia Genius was uh, almost everywhere in social media and also we got a lot of different uh, interviews and I think patients also read this story now. Well, I mean, at some point, I think, you know, you will see that patients uh, will pretend to have also AI-supported colonoscopy versus not AI. And not because they don't trust gastroenterologists. Uh, I, you know, I think they have a very tough job, but they also realize, uh, like we do, that performance is important to be stable throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, uh, no matter what. And I think, you know, they see the value of uh, having a technology like this. So the long story short is that it's going to happen. I don't think we're going to do something particular there yet, but uh, you know, at some point, maybe it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, the reason I was asking too, I see this as such a value. I mean, it's such a value to the patient and also a big value to obviously the physician and, and his or her practice, frankly. But I mean, like I told you before we hopped on, you know, after I was talking to Chad, I called my mom and dad. I was like... Essentially, don't get a colonoscopy unless unless GI Genius is going to be in the room with you. Not again, not that we don't trust the physician because we do, but if you can have that, like you said, that angel on the shoulder, just as a second pair of eyes, it's, it's certainly not going to hurt. Jamie, you said something very important before, right? So when you focus on something, that's the only thing you see. And with GI Genius, uh, what we're going to do, in my opinion, is to help uh, the gastroenterology to focus on mucosal exposure. So the colon needs to be exposed in a good way to be able to see the entire tissue, right? So if you have a GI Genius that is going to help you detecting the lesions, uh, and you as a gastroenterologist focus to expose this mucosal to GI Genius, which is already a tough job to do, then the combination of these two work perfectly. Whereas today, the gastroenterologist needs to focus to find polyps mainly, whereas in most of the cases, they cannot expose the mucosa very well. So this combination of the two, in my opinion, is going to make colonoscopy different and much more reliable as a procedure than it used to be. Did you see yourself five years ago running a division that is now the first to market with with an AI-powered software that is going to change the way colonoscopies are performed and change a lot of patients' lives. I mean, five years ago, did you see this coming or, or what? Five years ago, I, no, for sure, I didn't see this coming, but I knew that we were going to do something big. And I knew that we had plans, resources, uh, support from the company to get to be the best GI company in the industry. That's our goal. We're not there yet, but we made such a huge progress over the last three years. And not only because of GI Genius, because the portfolio we own it's, in my opinion, uh, the most innovative across GI, at least in the last five years, uh, for many different reasons. Uh, so I think, you know, the attitude, the mindset, the culture we have created here at Metronic GI tells a lot about what we were able to build. And we haven't finished yet. You know, the best is yet to come, as I said. So I think uh, the vision was clear. So we want to lead GI. We want to bring innovation to market. We don't want to sell any commodities uh, we want to disrupt uh, the current standards who are not perfect. Some cases, most of that are not perfect. So that's our job. What are the big drivers for you when you're hiring somebody? What are some top two or three things that you're looking for 
I mean, obviously you're very buttoned up, professional. What are some things that you dive into pretty quick where you know, all right, this is going to be my my guy, obviously, or a girl, depends on what, you know, whatever position you're hiring. Well, to me, it's about passion, it's about enthusiasm, it's about mindset mainly. And for sure, you know, I have to take a look also at the background of this person. But in some cases, I also hire people with no background for that position. But I knew that we're going to learn very quickly and work very hard to challenge the status quo. So for me, a person who is not able to challenge the status quo, being solution-oriented, uh, being you know open-minded, uh, being able uh, to look behind the problem and find solutions uh, is not a person who can work with me. So I just believe any problem can be solved. And we have done this in the last few years at Metronic GI all the time. So we have been told not so many times that we went back, understand the, the issue, and then back again and win it. So I think it's just the way we do it. What are some other, just real quick, because I'm curious and I'm sure the, the listeners are too, in terms of GI Genius, what else do you guys have in the GI bag, in the portfolio? Yeah, so the idea for, let's talk about colorectal cancer, right? So we said that if we have GI Genius in our portfolio, GI Genius uh, by definition is a screening tool because colonoscopy is a screening procedure, then uh, we need to offer also a therapy option. If, in case you find the polyp, uh, can we also allow the gastroenterologist to remove this polyp? In some cases, polyps are very small. You just use your biopsy forceps, you remove it, and you just move on. But in some other polyps are very hard to be removed. In some cases, these patients would be sent to surgery for a colectomy, so they cut a piece of colon surgically, which is unnecessary. So that's the reason why we developed internally a device uh, which is called the Prodigy, which is basically an endoscopic submucosal dissection device, which allows the gastroenterology easily to remove that lesion endoscopically in the same procedure of GI genius, for example. So we said detection, resection, and also prevention. Why prevention? Because after you resect the lesion, in most of the cases, you have also bleeding, or you can have post-bleeding post-procedure, which is also a problem. We also were able to acquire under distribution agreement a powder, which is a hemostatic powder from a Korean company that you can apply post-dissection to reduce uh, the risk of post-operation bleeding, which is a big problem. So we built this portfolio by keeping in mind the care continuous screening, diagnosis, and therapy. And I think that's a piece that we've been doing on the color side. We have uh, many different solutions for diagnosis of esophageal diseases, uh, such as a motility disorder or gastric uh, reflux disorder as well. Uh, we have uh, pH impedance manometry, also endoflip, which is also an acquisition we did uh, three years ago. And also we have the liver and pancreas portfolio. Liver, we have a liver ablation technology and print a market leader. And also we have a diagnostic tool with EOS, uh, which is the first to market also for FMB, five needle biopsy called Beacon Sharkor. So the portfolio is comprehensive, uh, is evolving. We haven't finished yet. As I said, we have a couple of big projects also in the company that we're working with. Uh, I didn't mention Pilcam, but Pilcam is market leader for small bowel uh, for bleeding or obscure GI bleeding. And also we have a Pilcam for colon, which we are looking to to evolve, uh, to keep innovating also, to be used potentially also as an alternative uh, for CRC screening. 
So all of these things are happening within the company. We have a strong R&D team here in Sunnyvale in California, in Yokniam in Israel, where we have more than 20 years experience on Pilcam. So the combination of these teams across the globe, including Boulder, Galway, it's just phenomenal. Giovanni, that's no stone unturned in the GI space. I mean, you guys are in it and trying to lead it. And I got I have a ton of respect for, for everything you're doing and everything your division's got going on. And obviously a really strong portfolio with some great leadership. And I'm excited to see what happens with your division and excited to see some patients have their lives changed and some physicians have some help in their practices. You know, I enjoyed this conversation, man. I have a Thank question you, for you real quick before we get off this thing. What books are you reading? I love books uh, that give you some content about strategy and the way you see things in the company. So business books for sure. One book that I loved, I enjoy, and I go back all the time is The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs from Carmine Gallo. It's such a, an amazing book in terms of how you have to craft a story when you, you present to any audience. It could be a customer, it could be your rep, it could be your team, it could be the CEO of a big company, no matter what, but you know, the way you have to present has to be a storytelling. And I think, you know, I've been learning a lot anytime I read this book. So that's my favorite book. And I, I recommend you, if you've ever read this, uh, to, to really get it. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. And then I have a few quotes on Vince Lombardi, the coach uh, that, you know, I think was a uh, was actually a great coach and uh, you know, a great way to, to coach his team and push them uh, to, to win. Oh, yeah. And that's what it's about, right? It's about winning. Exactly. Well, listen, I really love this. This was perfect. I can't thank you enough for your time. I know you're a busy man with a lot of things going on. So I appreciate you sitting down with the little podcast we are at MedDevice Unleashed and kind of letting us into your world and Medtronic's GI world, which is obviously a thriving area to be in that company. So... Again, appreciate your time, Giovanni. Thanks to you, Jimmy. Pleasure. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye.